Father, we just thank you, Father, even as we are here in your presence, Lord. Pray, Father, that, Lord, you minister to us. Even as we meditate upon your word, your inspired word, all scripture is God-breathed and it is profitable. Doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. And this morning, Father, even as we now meditate upon your word, I pray, Lord, you would equip us, you would edify us, you would exhort us, Lord, you would even sanctify us, Lord, you would cleanse us, O Lord, by the washing of water by the word, and Lord, even as we receive your word, by this, by, by faith, O Lord, you would fill us with your spirit and with your power, that Lord, that we will be, Father, challenged and be exhorted, Father, to obey what we have heard this morning, and therefore I pray, Lord, that you would grant us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit of the Lord has to speak to speak to us in this last hour of time. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word this morning. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just want us to turn to First Chronicles chapter four and verse ten. First Chronicles chapter four and verse ten. You know this very well. Prayer of Yabeds. We are not meditating upon the prayer of Yabeds, but just want us to look at one particular phrase that stands out here. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, because Jabez was when uh, he was called Jabez by his mother, and Jabez means pain. And he says, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me or your hand would be upon me. Some of the translations will use the word, your hand would be upon me and that you would keep me from the evil one, from evil and that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Okay, he says five things. So bless me, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me, that you would Keep me from uh, evil one and not not uh, make me a cause of pain to others, so that I will not be a cause of pain. But one thing that sh- that stood out, if you look at five things, um, what is the third? It's a center, right? In five, the third is a center, right? That your hand would be upon me. Your hand would be upon me. That was a, that is some one phrase which is came out of that verse and I was just meditating upon that. What does it mean to be under the hand of God? We know this very well. First Peter chapter 5 verse 5 onwards will speak what does it mean to come under the hand of God. Verse 5 onwards, 5 to 7 if you will. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives what? Grace to the humble. And then he says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting 
all your cares upon you for he cares for you what is that humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that is what it means to come under oh that your hand may be upon my life what does it mean that i come i humble myself under the mighty hand of god so that he may exalt me in what time in due time not out of time but in due time i was listening to i was i discovered another guy who loves pilgrim's progress and who has recommended it to his entire congregation that he sh- they should have one of the other books that they have to have uh, besides the Bible is the book Pilgrim's Progress. His name is Alistair Begg, or I don't know if you have heard of Alistair Begg. I'm sure if you've heard of him. Uh, his, his in, even I was researching on this topic, he was talking about Mordecai. And in one of his sermons on the book of Esther, he says, don't be in a hurry to exalt yourself. You may be telling yourself, hey, so much of good that I do go, uh, that I do goes unnoticed. Nobody recognizes me and of course, Mordecai was one such guy. Okay. Who warned the king of the conspiracy to assassinate him. He saves the life of the king. And what does the king do in return? He doesn't even send him a thank you note. He forgets. Okay. It was Mordecai who saves him. It's registered that Mordecai, I mean, in the chronicles of the king is registered that Mordecai has saved the life of the king. But the king never, ever even sends a thank you note. And this, must, this guy might have been wondering what's going on with my life. This unthankful, ungrateful king. I saved his life and not even a thank you note. But remember, <laughs> isn't it interesting that the thing, that the king does not exalt him in in his time, but in due time. That is in the time of God. When does the king exalt him? This guy called Haman, he prepares this uh, uh, 70 odd cubits high gallows to hang Mordecai because he never uh, ha, I mean, uh, bows towards, uh, bows uh, in front of him when he is passing by and he is angry. So he says, tomorrow, by this time, I'm going to go to the king and I'm going to uh, recommend that Mordecai should be hanged. And in, and in the night, he goes to bed with this thought that he has to hang Mordecai. And in that night, the very night, this king can't sleep. And what does he do? He orders for the people to, the, the scribes, the scribes to come and read for him. And they come and read for him the chronicles as to what has happened. And then, <laughs> at that time, exactly at that moment, they start reading about Mordecai. And King says, what did we do to this guy? Did we even send him a thank you note? He says, no. Not even a thank you note. We should do something to honor him. At that very moment, Haman is thinking about Mordecai. King is thinking about Mordecai. And in comes Haman. Isn't it interesting? The king doesn't say, what should we do to Mordecai? He doesn't say that. The king says, what should we do to the man whom the king pleases to honor? And isn't it interesting? The word Mordecai, see if he would have said, what should we do to Mordecai? He would have immediately said, we should be hanged. He would have changed. But you know what he says? What should we do to the man who the king 
wishes to honor. And Alistair Begg makes this recommend his, uh, his this observation. He says, think about this. He says, uh, he says he thinks Haman says this should he should be put on the he should have he should he should be put some new clothes some gay apparel a nice crown on his head he should be uh, ridden on the king's horse etc etc so what does the king do bring the robe first he doesn't even say do this tomorrow again no 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 he says bring the robe get the throne get the horse and do this too it's amazing you see humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and what he will exalt you in due time understand that my dear brothers all of us you know we say so much of my work goes unnoticed nobody even has an iota of gratitude God will exalt you It's, it's interesting right it's beautiful how the entire account of the book of uh, Esther, in, especially when this episode about Mordecai is is uh, is, is is mentioned, Mordecai is uh, taken on this tour on this on this horse. He goes back. I mean, he goes on this tour around the city, and he comes back to the front of the king's gate. That is exactly where his place was. And as his routine, as if nothing has happened, he continues his life. That is Mordecai, a guy who's used routine and he does not do things because he has to be recognized. That is what it means to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. And I was was thinking about it. What does it mean to come under the hand of God? This is what it means. And obviously this particular uh, verse which which, which he says in verse 5 you will if you turn to verse 5 he says God resists the proud 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And of course, he's talking, uh, he's quoting from the book of Proverbs, of course, and where it's uh, written, actually, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 23, if I'm right, 323 or 324, I forgot to put that here, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 23, is that it? Is that it? Just a minute. It's Proverbs chapter 3, definitely Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number um, 34, yeah, 34, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34, he says, surely, this is interesting, surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble, there he says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Here he, here actually is quoting from the, the Hebrew Bible says, he scorns the scornful. So the pride people, the proud people have an attitude and they have a name. You know, what is that name that God gives them? Proverbs chapter 11, <coughs> sorry, uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 24. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24. A proud and a haughty man. What's his name? Scoffer <laughs> is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. Put the NASB. Interesting. NASB is interesting. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. See, that is what it means. A scoffer, he's, that's his attitude. He scoffs. 
But on the other hand, <coughs> God gives grace to the <coughs> humble, humble. And that is, that is, that is wisdom, by the way. If you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, what, what does it say? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. <coughs> when pride comes, then comes shame. In the very gallows that he wanted to hang Mordecai, Haman hangs himself or he is hung. And his wife makes a very interesting observation. From today onwards, from now on, you are falling in front of him now. Somehow God is, I mean, something is against you. You exalt yourself, God will humble you. But you humble, humble yourself, God will exalt you. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is what? Wisdom. It's wise to humble yourself. With the lowly is a wisdom. Look at what it says in Micah chapter 6 verse 8. We know this very well. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly or rather Judge yourself. That is what it means. Justly means to judge yourself. To do justly. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's what it means, right? Uh, Moses says, uh, teach me your ways and show me your paths. And what does God say? My presence will go with you and you will find rest. Okay. And if you want to walk with the Lord, you have to walk humbly with the Lord. You just cannot walk with the Lord as if you know everything. In other words, <coughs> who is a wise man or who is a humble man who has got a disposition to listen, to hear, to hear. Okay. Uh, if you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13 verse 1. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 1. If you can put it in KJV, it's good. Mm-hmm. <coughs> 13.1 A wise son heareth his father's instruction. But a scorner or a scoffer does not hear. Rebuke. Whatever it is. So what does a scoffer have? What is the attitude? He will not listen to you. He will not. He does not hear. He doesn't have the attitude of listening. God is speaking. Are we hearing? Is the question. Yesterday we were, we were asked that Tremendous question. God is speaking. Are we hearing? He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through situations. And if you have a humble heart, you will always hear the voice of God. Through circumstances, through situations, God is speaking. It says, God, C.S. Lewis, if I'm right, he says, God in prosperity whispers, but in adversity, he shouts with a trumpet. And there's so much of mayhem going around all around the world and God is shouting from the rooftops and do we hear or do we have a scoffing attitude? You know why? Because Second Peter chapter 3, look at what it says. Second Peter chapter 3 verse <clears throat> 1 onwards. This second epistle, beloved, I now, I now, I now write unto you in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which have spoken before by the holy which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the lord and savior jesus christ so you have prophets and the apostles the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets 
the words spoken by the holy prophets before and the commandment that you receive from us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Knowing this first, what should you know first? That scoffers will come in the last days and exactly in the last days there will be a multiplication of scoffers even in the church. Walking according to their own lusts. They don't walk humbly with the Lord. They walk according to their own lusts. And if you see scoffing in you, a spirit of scoffing, a spirit of defiance, a spirit of mockery inside of you. It says in Romans chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. Verse, the last verse, chapter 1 verse, the last verse says, uh, last verse says, although they know that those who do such things deserve to die, not only do them, but also approve of those people who do them. They're scoffers. They have a defiant attitude. They're contentious. They're rebellious. And in the last days, what will happen? You will have a multiplication of scoffers in, even in the kingdom of God. And the rebellious spirit, the lawless spirit keep, keeps popping up. Let's go on. Move on. Verse 4. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Is that true? No, 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 no. Is that true? No, no. For this they willfully forget that the word of God by the, of the word, but that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water received judgment, etc. You see, God is speaking. Are we hearing? You know, yesterday pastor was talking about God is speaking in different, different situations. Not necessarily only through the spoken word. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 10 verse 14 onwards. This is the classic, you know. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look at what it says from verses 14 to 18. Verses 14 to 18. Look at what it says. Now then shall, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And they go on. And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Look at verse 16 now. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And then, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, but I say, have they not heard? Yes indeed, what? And he quotes, their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, world, and they still haven't heard. Where is he quoting this from? Psalm 19. Exactly, Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4, look at what it says. Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. (laughs) And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. And verse 4, their line has gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set up his tabernacle in the sun. Stop there. God is speaking. God is speaking through different, different ways. Are we hearing? Yesterday, okay, I, I, I like to watch the ISS, International Space Station. Zero gravity is something which I really dreamt of having, but uh, it's microgravity. It's not almost zero. It's microgravity, okay? So this uh, scientist, he was interviews, he was being interviewed. Now, uh, they were asking this question, what is your favorite pastime on the International Space Station apart from the experiments that you're doing? He says, um, one of my favorite pastimes is just, is just to watch the Earth from the International It's beautiful. And you know what he says? He says, I 
can't imagine how this life, this blue blob of life, exists in a in the midst of absolute vacuum and death all around. It's just a miracle. These are the words of the scientist. His name is David Jacques Saint David Saint Jacques David Saint Jacques, a French uh, Canadian. He has multiple degrees. He has one PhD and one doctor degree also. He has done his medicine and engineering. And PhD also. Everything is incredibly. And what he, this is what he says. He says it's a miracle. When I see the earth, it's a miracle. It's a blue blob of, 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 of life in the midst of absolute darkness and death. It's hanging there. What does it speak about? The creator. But do they humble themselves before the creator? Absolutely not. They will glorify evolution. That's pride. That's how they scoff God. So only the humble hear. (laughs) And the scoffers do not hear. Even if God is shouting, they will not hear. God is shouting in these last days. We've been having, even in India, we've been having uh, one storm after another. Locusts coming and destroying farms and crops. And you have this pandemic which doesn't seem to abate. God is screaming. Do we hear? Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20 onwards. 20 to 27. 20 to 27. Wisdom calls out, how? Aloud, outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. He's raising She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates of the city. She speaks her words. What does she say? How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? There's one character in Pilgrim's Progress called Simple Faith. Not not Simple Faith Malatwa, he is that fellow, the naive fellow. He can be simply, he's called pliable. (laughs) You know what, uh, what 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 are the two characters? Pliable and obstinate, obstinate. The first two characters obstinate and pliable. How long, you simple ones, will you love your simplicity for scorners? What? Delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. You delight in your scorning, you love your simplicity and you hate knowledge. That's your attitude. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will what? Pour out my spirit. And people say, I want an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit in these last days. Turn at my rebuke, God says. Get rid of this simple attitude where you love your simplicity. Means your naivety. You like to be naive. Be, be, um, Paul says, "We are, don't be ignorant of the devices of the, of, the, of the evil one, of Satan. We are not ignorant of his devices. I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, he says in so many places. Turn, for scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make my words uh, known to you. And then goes on, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdain all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. What will I do? I will also mock I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. You see? You don't turn at my rebuke. So that means you don't have this 
this disposition that is not humility right that's the exact opposite of 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 humility that is pride and what's the name of a proud person scoffer 97 proverbs 7 and 8 and 12 9 7 and 8 and verse 12 he who corrects a scoffer gets shame to himself <laughs> nice no if there is a scoffer don't even go near him leave him alone I'm telling you honest, honestly, don't argue with rebels. It's useless. They are already set in their ways. You get shame to yourself. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. He who rebukes a wicked man only <laughs> harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love. Why? Because with the lowly is what? Wisdom. And what does the wise man do? He will love you. And that is the reason why Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7. What does it say? We know that very well. 8, 7. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in love, in speech, in all diligence and in your love for us. Why do you love him? Love those people who teach the word of God because they are rebuking you. And if you are a wise man, what do you do? You love such people. You are drawn towards them. You understand? Again, 9-12 Proverbs. Finally. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it all by yourself alone. You are responsible. So Lord, deal with the scoffer in me is my prayer. And I hope that is the prayer to prayer of all of you too. So what so what does it mean to come under the hand of God? That means to deal with the scoffer. And how do you you and I know that we are under the hand of God? Under the hand of God. Under the hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Oh, let your hand be upon me, said Yabetz. One thing we said, deal with the scoffer, right? And come under the mighty hand of God. So what does it mean? What are the uh, signs or the signs of the person who is under the hand of God? If you want to look at the phrase the under the hand of God, you know where it occurs to the maximum? It occurs in two books. Ezra and Nehemiah. Six times in the book of Ezra and twice in the book of Nehemiah. I want to look at one one, one one person only and one chapter hopefully today in the time that we have. Okay. <clears throat> Turn with me to Ezra chapter 7 where Ezra is not even introduced till chapter, chapter, chapter 7 by the way. Ezra wrote the book of Ezra obviously. And till chapter 7 he is he's hiding. And of course by this time the temple has been built but they still need a lot of help. Chapter 7 and verse 1. Now, after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sarai, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok. Now, before we go to the lineage of Ezra, what does the word Ezra mean? Help. That's what it means. You know, whenever, whenever I, uh, whenever somebody is named help, I remember Pilgrim's Progress again. You remember when uh, Pliable and uh, Christian are walking towards the celestial city? There's a slough of despond. Okay. Where people, they just fall into the slough of despond. Why? The weight of sin and the weight of guilt comes upon them. 
and they, they just they are under despair. That's what is called a slough of despond. And uh, and uh, what's his name? Pliable also falls into the slough of despond, and he just pulls himself out, and he goes back and he curses Christian and he goes back. And then what does Christian say? Help! <laughs> and you know who comes? <laughs> Help comes. <laughs> That's the word. The guy who comes is help. He says help. And who comes? Help comes. The guy called help comes and he pulls him out of the slough of despond. That is Ezra. Okay. Ezra is a guy who does that. Remember? In uh, chapter 8 of Nehemiah, you don't have to turn there. When uh, the preaching of the word of God is happening. Ezra the scribe is Standing there on the pulpit, the first time the word pulpit is in, in an exalted position, okay, and he's reading the word of God, and a lot of people, all all the sub, all the assistant pastors are there explaining what what Ezra is reading out, and people are weeping. They are in a slough of what we call as despond. You know what Ezra says, and the scribes say, "Don't weep today." Pulls him out, pulls him out. That is Ezra. That is Ezra's scribe. A man who has grace and truth balanced. Okay, we'll come to that later on. But now let us read about Ezra. Now, after these things, the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Zariah, the son of uh, Seraiah, the son of Seraiah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahatub, go on, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Meriot, the son of Zariah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki. Okay, Buki. Okay, and the son of Abishua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. The lineage is mentioned, Baba. The spiritual heritage of Israel is mentioned. Somebody came and asked Abraham Lincoln. We heard that your grandfather, great, uh, your grandfather was a great man. Can you say something about him? You know what Abraham Lincoln said? I do not know if my grandfather was a great man, but I'm really, really concerned about his grandson. Who's the grandson? Him. Look at what it talks about Ezra. The first thing about Ezra. This Ezra came up from Ah, kya baat hai? What does it mean for your hand, for the hand of the Lord should to be upon you? It says, okay, it says this Ezra came up from Babylon. The word, the word, the way the verse ends, according to the hand of God upon him, Ezra came out of Babylon. What's the use of having a spiritual inheritance? Of having Abraham as your father? If you, if you yourself have not made a decision to flee from the wrath to come. Right? Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers. I love that. You fellows, you generation of vipers, you have the DNA of the devil inside of you. Who warned you you to flee from the wrath to come? 
and therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to yourself, think, rather do not think to say yourself, it's interesting, as a man thinketh, so is he. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. So Ezra was a guy who didn't boast about his lineage. He himself made a decision to follow God. God has no grandchildren. What does he have? Sons and daughters. The first thing we learn from Ezra. The very first thing from his lineage we learn something. Because a lot of kings who had a fantastic lineage but they made a mess. It doesn't mean, it is not necessary that just because you have a spiritual lineage, you will make a decision for God. No, every man has to make a decision for yourself. Yesterday I was listening to a debate between Shabir Ali and uh, J. Smith. No? And one of the questions that uh, uh, people were asking uh, J. Smith, do you agree that uh, Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world? And what is the reason? He says, okay, let, let me tell you. In, in Islam, you, are, you have to be born, if you are born a Muslim, you are a Muslim. In Christianity, we don't have such compulsions. You are never born a Christian. You have to be born again to be a Christian. And he says, why is Islam the fastest growing religion in the world? Because of the number of biological children they have. What is the conversion rate into Islam? And what is the conversion rate into Christianity? You know how many number of Muslims are leaving Islam? So many. You have to listen to the, come of the some of the testimonies which have come online. Within six hours of one of the one of David Wood's video, within six hours that <laughs> that fellow started from hating David Wood to hating Islam and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Within six hours. The conversion rate into Christianity is twice the conversion rate into Islam. Into Islam you are converted by the talwar, but not in Christianity. So God has what? Only sons and daughters daughters and no grandchildren. So Ezra had to make a choice to save himself from this perverse generation. Therefore he came up out of Babylon. That's how it says. Ezra came up out of Babylon. Have you come up out of Babylon? Are you still comfortable in Babylon? Isn't it interesting? Babylon is north and Israel is south. And and still it's... We know this very well. We have heard it very well. You have to come up out of Babylon and come up to Jerusalem. Even though Jerusalem is south and Babylon is, Babylon is north. So what do we boast about? Do we boast about our spiritual inheritance? And say, oh, which church do you go to? Grace Tabernacle. Oh, you go to Grace Tabernacle Church. Not all Israel are Israel. Romans chapter 9, please, if you turn with me. To Romans chapter 9. And verse, I'll tell you the exact verse. Verse number 
six onwards. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. And who is that Isaac? Jesus. That is, those who are the children of the flesh are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the children of, as the seed of God, as a seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time, I will come and Sarah will have a son. The word of God. You have to be born again. That is the reason why he says, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you can't even see or enter into the kingdom of God. First, he came up out of Babylon. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 and 41. We know this very well. But read that again, once again. And with many words he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly, what? Received the word, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added into the kingdom of God. So, first thing, you came up out of Babylon. Second, let's go back to Ezra chapter uh, 7 verse 6 onwards. Let's see what it says. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord that is upon What was he? He was skilled scribe. He was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses. In other words, he was a diligent student of the word of God. What does it mean for a person to be skilled in handling the word of God? What does it mean to be skilled? There are babes and there are skilled people. Look at what, first let us see babes first. We know this very well again. First Peter chapter 2 verse 1 and two, actually one to three. And see that. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow by, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You see, one of the, uh, this cannot be reiterated over and over again. One of the things that you know that you have been born again is when you have this love for the word of God. You desire, not just ordinary milk, pure milk, full of cholesterol. Which grows, which is, which you, which, which strengthens you. And then of course, what is, what does it mean to be skilled in the law of God? Hebrews chapter 5 will talk about it. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 onwards. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakers, partakes of milk is what? Unskilled. You see that? He's not skilled. He's unskilled in the word of righteousness for he's still a babe. So what is Ezra? Ezra was only not just born again. He was a mature believer. He has come of age. Okay. But solid food belongs to those who are of what? Full age. That is who by reason of their senses. You see that? 
Yesterday, the pastor was talking about a lot of senses. One of the senses is hearing, speaking. They spoke and they saw. I like that. <laughs> the senses. What has happened? What happens? One of the things that you know that you have, that God has granted you repentance. We, we saw that. Perhaps God may grant you repentance. That may that may, that God may grant them repentance so that they may come to their senses. The senses are quickened. You see that? But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is those by reason of use of their senses. They just, senses are just not quickened. They have used their senses. Exercise to discern. To know exactly what good and evil is. Alright? That is, those people are the people who have come of age. They know how to handle the word of God. And they know how to discern between good and evil. And to make those right choices. They are not, they are not unskilled in the word of righteousness. They are skilled in the word of righteousness. That means they are spiritually strong. So if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the last two verses and then chapter 3 verses 1 onwards. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is not rightly judged by anyone. Why is he Spiritual because he compares spiritual things with spiritual. He's been taught of the spirit, taught by the spirit. And verse 16, for who has known known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. But then verse 1 of chapter 3, and I brothers could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. That means if you are a babe in Christ, you are not spiritual. You You understand that? You may be born again, but still carnal. Not spiritual. I fed you with milk and not solid food. For until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Why? For if you're, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife and divisions among you are not, are you not carnal and behaving like what? Mere men. Just like natural men. Okay, so you see that this man, Ezra is a man who has come of age. Who's separated himself from Babylon. Who's come of age. He was a skilled scribe, diligent. In the law of Moses. He's a mature son. Mature believer. Because he has come out of Babylon. He understood that. He's come of age. 11.24 Hebrews. 11.24 Hebrews. What does it say? By faith Moses. When he became of age. You see that? When he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See that? Become of age. He's come of age. He's become a mature son. He's still not a child anymore. For as many as received him. John's, John's gospel chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. We looked at that yesterday. John's gospel chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. This is what he says. But as many as received him. To them he gave them the right. To be called the ch- children of God. To those who believe in his name. And he explains what, those who are believing in his name. Who are born. Not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the love of man. But of God. They are born of God. All are born of God, but they are still children. They cannot be led by the Spirit. 
How do you know that they have not been led by the Spirit? They have not separated themselves. They are still like mere men. They are behaving like mere ordinary, worldly, carnal men. There is no difference. You want to become mature? There is one sign of maturity. You, you have discerned what is good and evil and you have separated yourself. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verses 17 and 18. Look at that once again. Therefore, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing. I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. God has no grandchildren. I said, what, what's, what kind of a son over here? He's not a child anymore. He's a mature son and a mature daughter, says the Lord Almighty. Why? Because he has separated himself. He knows what is of the world and what is and even when he is going into the world, he's got the discernment, these ideas. He's able to see every idea that is thrown at him from the lens of scripture. Okay. You watch, now if you watch any movie now, the way you watch them, let's say when you were a kid and now you watch a total difference. How people cry when somebody dies in a movie. And God says, no, you don't mourn as one people who, people who do not have hope. And they take revenge. How we have to see? It's total lie. And we all buy it. We pay our money to, <laughs> to devour such nonsense and trash. You know why? Because we don't have the discernment. We're not able to see with the light lens that God has given. You're skilled in the law of the Lord. 22-29. Proverbs. 22-29. What does it mean to be skilled? Do you see a man who excels or skilled in his work? Where will he stand? <laughs> he will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Put it on NLT please. This is an NLT? Yes, we put it on NLT. Do you... Do you see any truly competent worker? They will serve kings rather than ordinary people. NASB. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. You see, this is important. Message. Message is a killer. Message will just nail it. Okay. Observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. Kya baat <laughs> Skilled workers. Are you skilled? In your work? You know, skill is something which is obtained. Talent is, is given. Skill is obtained. Kada? You have got a lot of talent. We have a talented person over here. I'm not going to mention his name. But he will, because he will look at me with a straight face. That's okay, no problem. <laughs> okay, no. But you, to, to obtain skill, practice. Practice and practice and practice and practice. That is skill. We gave, uh, Pastor's camera to Roshan. He just pulled that lens out. I'm like, oh my goodness, he dismantled it. No, 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 no. He pulled the lens out, pulled the other thing in. Competent, you see, the way he handles the camera, I get scared because I don't want to make it. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. The, I don't want the camera to fall from my hands. No, but so heavy equipment is able to handle it. Why skill? 
These are some things which you obtain by practice and practice and practice and read and study and read and study. And you get it. Skill. See, as thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men or mere men, it says in, in the KJV, in the authorized translation. That's exactly what happens to Ezra. Skilled in the law of the Lord. So let's go back to Ezra chapter 7 and verses 6 onwards. Why am I saying that? This Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given him. The, the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord God, Lord his God upon him. And then go on. Verse 7, and some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the nef- and the Nethinim, or the skilled workers, or the uh, slaves in the temple, that's what it means, okay? They do uh, work, bonded work in the temple, came to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. And then what happens? And verse 8, Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which uh, came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king and was uh, nine onwards on the first day of the first month he began his journey from Babylon and on the first day of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of God upon him from Babylon to Jerusalem how do you know the hand of God is upon him leaves Babylon he goes to Jerusalem why how do you know that the hand of the Lord is upon him verse 10 for Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Was he already skilled in the law of the Lord? Oh yeah, he was. So what is he doing? He is seeking the law of the Lord to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. First thing, what did he do? How do you know that the hand of the Lord was upon him? For, it says, he had prepared his heart. What is the first thing he did? He prepared his heart. Why do not? Why do people not hear? Because there is no preparation. Okay. 424, 818, 717. Mark 424, Luke 818, John 717. Okay. And he said to them, Take heed what you hear. Okay. 818. Therefore, take heed, Luke 818. Therefore, take heed how you hear. 717, John. If anyone wills to do his will, then he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether it's from, if I speak my of my own authority. So how do you hear? It's very important. Is that preparation of your heart? Our heart has to be prepared. Why do people not hear on Sunday morning especially? Because there is no preparation on Saturday night. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 4. How Jeremiah puts it so beautifully. If we turn to Jeremiah chapter 4 and verses 1 to 4. Look at what it says. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. And you shall and you shall swear, the Lord lives in truth, in judgment and in righteousness. The nations shall bless, them, bless themselves in him and in him they shall glory. For thus says the Lord the, to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. What? Break up your 
fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Break up your fallow ground. Let, let not the seed fall on among thorns. We'll come back to Jeremiah. Turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 8 verse 14. Look at what it says. 14 and 15. Now the ones which fell among thorns, you know when Pastor was talking about this yesterday, one particular phrase just came out of the screen. The ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they heard, what do they do next? That's it, they go out. That's the first thing. They just go out and are choked. Why are they choked? Because they go out. See, uh, we have this image, right? I mean, the sower is sowing the seed and the seed is falling among thorns. So what am I supposed to do? Before the, so- the seed is sowed, I should get rid of the thorns. That's what it means. That means I have to have, to have an attitude. After I have received the word, I should not. Here in this case, I should not go out. But I should abide. Understand? Now, for example, let me tell you how, do you, how we abide. We finish, let's say, Sunday morning service. One and a half hours of solid teaching, one hour, 45 minutes. Think about it now. All of us meet at GSS. We don't have to start a conversation for the sake of conversation. But one thing from the from the message must have pricked your heart. And you just share it with somebody. And then suddenly one discussion starts. You know how the word reveals, instead of going out and discussing nonsense and trash, I remember churches in this city, I don't know, I don't know the exact name, they have a sermon in the morning, and after the sermon in the morning, they, they, the, the, the service is the whole day. After the service is over, they sit and they start discussing the word, what they've heard. And they leave in the evening. I mean, church those days was a whole day, even in the good old days. The one day they set them, set apart for God. What, what do we do these days? These days, oh, hey, Baba, just give me 45 minutes sermon, okay? 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, just give me a tidbits, this much, this much is enough for me. And after you hear that, even that 45 minute sermon, okay, what 45 minutes you heard? Did you go back to your, to your closet in the, in the, in the, in the afternoon uh, when you're sitting with your family around the lunch table? Are you discussing what you heard? Did it convict you? Are you discussing God? Are you discussing problems? Or are you discussing movies? You see that? There's a lot of difference. I mean, this is what, sometimes you need to really think about these things. They go out. I mean, going out is not physically going out, obviously. You're not abiding in what what has been spoken to you. Thinking about things. One thing might have convicted you. I mean, I study one word which convicted me. It's like, such a, it came like a, like a sledgehammer, no? I was talking to pastor in the evening. What was that word? You sow and you will reap. It is, it is an inexorable law, right? And what has happened? These guys stole and when you have stolen, you have 
already set in motion a consequence for your action. And those consequences will only stop if you come back and restore what you have stolen. I was thinking the whole day about that. I was like, boy, one word. Isn't it? That is what you do. What, that is what happens when you begin to abide in God's word. We don't just appreciate the sermon. We abide in God's word. That is where, that is where we bear fruit. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 15. Let's read from verses 1 to 7 to see this entire concept coming into picture. What does it mean to abide? What does it mean to receive the word in good soil? I am the true wine and my father is a wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So in order to do that, what should you do? Next verse. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Therefore, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit ball by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide. Don't go out. Abide. Don't start discussing your, your, your problems and your situations and your circumstances. Just, just think about the word. You know, there are seasons of time where God allows peace in your life. You don't have many problems. At least you have 1 hour, 15 minutes or 20 minutes where you can think as to what has been spoken into your heart, into your life. Can you not think? We can. We can. And what does it say? The word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. It's a prepared heart, my dear brothers. Abide. Abide in the wine. Unless it abides in the wine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then, I am the wine. You are the branches. You, who, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So what does that mean? If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. And verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. You have been praying and praying and praying and you have not received, it, received any of your answers, you say. But are you praying like the way you are asked to pray over here? By the word of God abiding in you? Or do you just go out? Break up your fallow ground. And do not sow among thorns. What is sowing among thorns? Go out. <laughs> you don't abide. That is how you come. How do I know that I have come to a, uh, to a Bible study or whatever it is prepared? I want to hear. I want to. I want to listen to. I want. I want to listen a lot. Something in this in this word today is going to quicken, and I want to hold on to it. I study that one thing just came and just I said, "Boy, isn't that true?" So many times in my, in our lives, we have done certain things, and unless until we make restitution for it, it is not going to stop in our lives. A careless word spoken here and here or there. A slander or a gossip. And unless and until we go back and make restitution, we have set in motion a certain, what do you call, a trajectory in our life. And unless and until we go back to that and make restitution. We have set ourselves to a spiritual destiny without God. It's dangerous. Dangerous, my dear brothers. So what does Jeremiah say? How do you prepare your heart? Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 again. 3 and 4. 
break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Look at this. Next verse. Circumcise what? Yourselves to the Lord. I like that. <laughs> the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts, it says in, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse uh, 6 or 12. 6 if I am right. Yeah. The Lord will circumcise your heart. And he says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. He says, put to death the deeds of the body. If I, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, I will live. Those who are Christ have what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. I am crucified with Christ. I know that. I have been circumcised with the circumcision that is in Christ. I know that according to Colossians. But he says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts. You men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth, come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench because of the evil of your doing. Circumcise yourself. That's what it says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to way. That means Christian life is an absolute partnership with God, with the Holy Spirit. If you have a prepared heart, what do you need to do? Lord, circumcise my heart, Lord. It says, chapter 6 will say, they have what ears? Uncircumcised ears. Siddha paatu lekunda. Siddha paatu. Siddha paatu. Siddha paatu lekunda. Devan Sanjir is okay. How come? We come with unpreparedness. Prepare yourself. Prepare your heart. So what did Ezra do? According to the good hand of God upon him, what did he do? He prepared his heart. It's a preparation. Jose, chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap mercy. How? Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. What have you proud? You have proud wickedness. And you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. So prepare. Have a prepared heart. Take away the thorns that choke the word from your life. Don't go out. Abide. So what did Ezra have? He had a prepared heart. Let's go back to Ezra chapter 7. Verse 10. For Ezra prepared his heart. Then it says, Ezra prepared his, prepared his heart to do what? To seek the law of the Lord. Now think about it. Did he, did he, was he not already skilled in the law of the Lord? See, this is what, what happens. Once you become a believer, you are a student for life. You are. This is God, Baba. Those fellows went into the space station and they are looking at one blob of blue and they are going crazy. The God who created this mighty universe, what kind of a mind he might be having? What does he say? Seek the law of the Lord. What does it mean to seek the law of the Lord? To inquire. Seek means to inquire, to search. So you are not just inquiring the law, you are inquiring somebody. Hmm. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. You will understand this very well. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 13 and 14. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 13 and 14. And you will seek me. Ah. And you will 
find me. He says to the people uh, in Jerusalem, he says, you, you think that you have the scriptures and in that you believe that you have eternal life. But these are the scriptures which are testifying about me. How come the very person of Jesus Christ is standing in front of you and you have the scriptures and everything is script, all the, all scripture is pointing towards Christ and you can't even see me. Yeah, seek me. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart and I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Seek him. Prepare your heart to seek him. Remove everything that blocks. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 14, please. Verse 1 onwards. Look at this. Now some of the elders came to me and sat before me. I like that. <laughs> Why did the elders come to him? Oh, they wanted to seek a word from God, from the prophet. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself to be inquired at all by, their, by, by them? Therefore, speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart. You know, you turn with me to Hosea chapter 2. I, I like that word. No, Just Hosea chapter 2. When one place which I get scared to preach from is from the book of Hosea. I avoid it as much as I can, but you can't. Turn to Hosea chapter 2 and verse... Verse 12. I will destroy her vines and her fig trees of which she has said, These are my wages, that my... Isn't it lover is not singular, it's lovers? You don't have one idol, you have idols. You understand? What does it, what does it tell me? If you don't find in God your everything, you will try to find God in so many other things and you will still not find him. It's not one lover. You will have lovers. Understand that. Okay, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 4 now. Verse 4 onwards. Therefore speak to them says, and, uh, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet and I, and, and, uh, prophet, I the Lord will answer him who comes even to the prophet called like Ezekiel according to the multitude of his idols. <laughs> and then verse 5, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart because they are estranged from me by their idols. Verse 6, therefore, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent, turn from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. Seek the Lord. Don't just seek answers from God. He made his ways known unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. 
and when when uh, the two disciples leave uh, John and follow Jesus, what does they say? Whom do you seek? They didn't say, what do you seek? Whom do you seek? Rabbi, where do you live? You seek him, you will find him. Seek him. Seek. Set your heart. Prepare your heart to seek the Lord. And then, let's go back to Ezra chapter 6, 7, verse 10. For the Lord, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord first to do it and to, and to teach it. I like that. Okay. To do it and to teach it. This is what I call Jesus' methodology. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. You will see a very interesting, I will make you a very interesting observation. Acts chapter 1. Let's read from verses 1 to 3. The former account I made. What is the former account? God, Dr. Luke's first, first uh, book. And what was that? The gospel account to Luke. The former account I made, O Theophilus. What does Theophilus mean? Theos means God. Philia means friend. So Theophilus means, it means what? Friend of God. Who is a friend of God? Who is called a friend of God? Abraham is called a friend of God. And why was he called a friend of God? Because he was justified by faith. Not just by his believing, by also offering Isaac on the altar, it says in James chapter 2, or James chapter 2, and faith was perfected in his life. Okay. So Theophilus is a guy who, who is a lover of God and a friend of God. Okay. So that's so all of us here. So it is, it is, it is, it is addressed to all of us who are Theophilus. Thank God we don't, we have not named anybody Theophilus. Maybe if anybody has a son, you can think about this name, Theophilus. O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to. Ah, 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 ah. See, 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 did, did we read properly? The former account I made, O Theophilus, where? In the gospel according to Luke. Of all that Jesus, what? Began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up. <laughs> After he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Enough, enough, enough. So what is it? In Luke's gospel, Jesus began to do and to teach. And the acts of the apostles, he is continuing to do and to teach. Understand that? <laughs> so that is how it continuity is. What I gave you in Luke was what Jesus did and what he taught. What you are going to do through the power of the Holy Spirit is what you are going to do and to teach. What did Ezra do? First, Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. First to do and to teach. Understand that, everybody? So what should we do? Hmm. First of all, we should do and we should also teach. First Timothy chapter 4. Look at what it says in First Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 onwards. For all young people who are 40 and less, Okay. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example. To who? To the believers. In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Six things. First, be an example in word. 
and when that means okay in word actually the other translations will use the word in speech okay how i think uh, esv uses word esv can look at that esv can you just put it up please sorry sorry it's hitting my eyes don't have to worry too much about that uh, russian let no one despise you despise you for your youth but be an example in speech to the other believers in speech first or in word in conduct in love in faith in purity in speech in conduct in love in faith in purity boy that is how you have to be an example first when they when you when you look at the, when they listen to your speech boy they looked at the gracious word that came out of his mouth and they glorified god they said speech and then in your conduct the way you behave in your love in your faith and in your purity and then go on till i come give attention to reading <laughs> to exhortation to doctrine i like that what should you give attention to baba to first you do <laughs> and then you teach you see the order to timothy timothy be an example to other believers in in speech in word in conduct in love in faith and in purity give attention to reading to exhortation to doctrine and then verse 14 do not neglect the gift that is in you which you have been given to you which has been given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership that means all of us like timothy have a tendency to what to neglect isn't it interesting that guy that guy called ezra was already skilled in the law of the lord but what did he do he prepared his heart to seek the law of the lord that means what he is continuing to exercise his gift do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership especially here for him the gift of teaching is given okay and then verse 15 meditate on these things give yourselves entirely to them my goodness that means your whole life should be like a i am giving myself over to this that is the reason why i some sometimes i feel you know when when people say i am also working and i'm also doing ministry i'm a little apprehensive i'm not saying you should not do that but shepherding is a full time job teaching is a full time job i'm mean, the more i come to the fitness ministry i've understood it it's honestly i if i have to if i have the uh, when my when my director called me you know he said which what what what's up why can't you also do your research and also do your work whatever you want to do and i looked at him and i said sir if i can't give myself completely to completely to research 100% i don't want to do it whatever i do i want to give my 100% to it 100% and the example that i took was my 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 supervisors my advisors i want to be like mother sir look at his life totally dedicated to robotics if i'm not like him i don't want to do research so he called up my my advisor and said my god rujet thinks that he has got such high regards about you <laughs> he says he doesn't want to continue to do research because he cannot give give uh, give his 100% to it i said yeah absolutely 
No man can serve two masters. Give yourselves how much? Entirely. For what? To set as, to be an example in speech, in love, in faith, in purity, and in, in, in conduct. Five. And then, until I come, give yourself to exhortation, to teaching, to reading, and to doctrine. Meditate on all these things. Give yourselves entirely to it. Do not neglect the gift that is inside of you. That what? Your progress may be evident to all. Understand that? That is what it means to do and then to teach. Your progress has to be evident to all. Oh my goodness, Vijay. I heard, I know Vijay um, six years back and I know, now I see him now. My God, he's grown. See the difference between the way, from the time I saw him last and when I speak to him now. Total difference. He's a completely new guy sometimes. Thank God for it, if it's positive. And then he says, verse 16, take heed to yourself. I like that. First what? To yourself. (laughs) And then to your doctrine. What are you doing and what are you teaching? Continue in them. Just don't just stay there and say, okay, today I did it. Continue. My my dear brothers and sisters, don't just be satisfied with one day. Lord, I want to hit a home run every time. I come to the pitch. Not once in a while, flash in a pan. No. Consistency is the name of the game. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will... Say both yourself <laughs> and to those you and to those who hear you. Important these things are. So what did what did uh, Ezra do? First of all, he prepared his heart. Second, he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, not to seek Him. Third, he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord to do and then to teach. To study. To study. To be skilled. And then what happens? Let's go back to Ezra chapter 7. Actually, look at verse uh, 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 9 and 10. 9 and 10. On the first day of the month, he began uh, his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. And verse 11. And this is a copy of the letter the king Artaxerxes gave Ezra, the priest, the scribe, expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes in Israel. Who gave? The king gave. Who gave the recommendation letter? King gave. Unbelievable. With the recommendation letter for what, Baba? To build your temple, who's giving? First Peter, First Timothy chapter 3, please. First Timothy chapter 3. I forgot to put it here. First Timothy chapter 3. And I want to show you some very important verse there. And chapter 3. Hmm? Let's read from verse 1 to 7, okay? This is a faithful saying. If a man desires a position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, a wife of husband and nepadu, 
the husband of one wife. Who is this bishop? Because we are having all kinds of bishops these days. Very clear, the husband of one wife. If you have a problem, you can fight with Paul when you, once you reach there, if you reach there. Okay. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, and then not given to wine, not striker, okay, not a violent man, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. And verse, uh, for, for, uh, yeah, verse 6, not a novice, less being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. And verse 7, moreover, look at this, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Interesting, isn't it? You know, if if you were to ask, if anybody anybody were to ask your boss what kind of a worker you were, what will his recommendation letter be about you? Think about that. Let me find favor with God and favor with man. I want to show you a fantastic verse in the NIV if you can, please. Okay, let's, uh, to get the element of surprise, let us read it in uh, first NKJV and then we'll read it in NIV. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 in NKJV and then in NIV. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. I like that. It's a good translation. Wherever he wishes. Now look at NIV. This is powerful, okay? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. Another NIV translation, this is how it reads. I don't think you have it. In the Lord's hand. In the Lord's hand. The king's heart is a stream of water. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels Towards all who please him. Wow. Look at that again. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. Now tell me. If a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. And who can please God? We all say by by faith it is impossible, without faith it is impossible to please God. I'll tell you something. I like that verse very much. But the, the verse which I like better, Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 3, 4 and 5. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one entang- engaged in warfare entangles himself with affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now think about this. Which is more precise? Without faith it is impossible to please God, I understand. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Are you a soldier in the house of God? 
And what should your attitude be? My life should please my master, my commander. And that is what a prayer warrior is. He is listening to commands from his command control. Who is a commander? You know, I think John Piper was the one who said this. No, He said, prayer, it was supposed to be like a person in warfare who is receiving commands from his command control. But what have we done? We have made it into a domestic intercom. Instead of receiving commands from the command control, we are made, we have made it into a domestic intercom. We don't pray to God, we pray to men. Domestic intercom. You oh, know, we have a need in this. I just want you to pray about this. What, <laughs> what should I pray, Baba? Pray to God that you will give me. If a man's ways pleases the Lord, he will make even his enemies. And then it says, in the Lord's hand is the king's heart. It's like a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. You see that? That's exactly what happened even to Apostle Paul, right? The ship was breaking. It was, I mean, it was almost... Collapsing completely, capsizing. And it says, they wanted to kill all the convicts or the prisoners. But the jailer, or rather the, the, the soldier, the, the centurion, he wanted to save the life of Paul. And because he wanted to save that, he said, don't do that. You know why? Favor. God will give you favor. And without favor, it is, just turn, 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 turn with me to Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. Look at this. Chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. I like the order here. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, when he purposed in his heart, now God brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Ezra prepared his heart and God gave him favor with the king. Daniel purposed in his heart, God gave him favor with the eunuchs. The order. So, turn to Ezra chapter 9 now. Verse 27. Sorry, sorry, not 9. Chapter 7, verse 27. Chapter 7, verse 27 onwards. 27 and 28. Blessed be the, the Lord God of our fathers who has put such a thing. Who put such a thing? God put such a thing as this into the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And then, and he extended mercy to, to me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. So I was encouraged, what? As the hand of the Lord God was upon me and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. Not to go down to Jerusalem, to go up to Jerusalem from Babylon. 
You see that? This is Ezra. What is he? Ezra the scribe. What does Ezra mean? A help. And you will see this guy. In, in Nehemiah chapter 8, you don't have to turn there. Boy, when he reads the word, he's just reading the law. And when he's reading the law, people are weeping. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. And people are weeping. Do you want to have the hand of the Lord over your, over your life? Do we have the attitude of Ezra? What was the attitude? First, he came out of Babylon. Second, he was a skilled scribe. Just not an ordinary scribe. Third, he was skilled in the law of the Lord. Fourth, he prepared his heart. Fifth, he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And do what? Do it and to teach it. And you know what happened? The heart of the king was in the hand of God and he granted him favor. That is how we know that he was under the hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Let's go back to the prayer of Jabez. 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10. And we will stop this morning. 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10. Yeah, we can read it. I have it in my Bible. There's a technical error, so no problem. 1 Chronicles. Yeah. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me. That you would keep me from the evil. That I may not cause pain. So, God granted him his request. You know why God granted him his request? I'll tell you why. Simply because there was one central request. Among all the requests, I want God to bless me. Thank you. Everybody wants God to bless him. Everybody wants his territory to be enlarged. Everybody wants not to be tempted by evil. Everybody wants not to be a pain, but to be a blessing. How many of us want to be a pain? Nobody wants to be a pain. But you know what he says? How many of us really want to want the hand of God upon our lives? Very few. Hmm. Very few. Very, very few. Humble yourself this morning under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for your, for your good, Lord. Your mercy endures forever. So many things you are teaching us in these last days. I pray, Lord, you would continue to impart your word into the deepmost parts of our inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. Let your hand be over our lives. Let your hand be over our lives, O Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. And we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.